We understand the moment that we're in, and so I will conform to the day. There is a difference between a prophetic word and a declaration of intent. A prophetic word is from God. God gives a prophecy. Sometimes it's to reveal what is present. Sometimes it is to reveal what shall be. But there is also a declaration of intent. And that is the word of faith that we can speak over ourselves, over our family. It is a proclamation of our intentions, what we will do. (laughs) Do whatever you want to do, the prophet said. But as for me and my house, we will, here's his declaration of intent, serve the Lord. So... Now, people get those things confused because they, they do not understand the power that they have. So sometimes we won't say anything because we think that maybe it's not a prophetic word. But you can all, we can all make a declaration to the Lord and to each other, to ourselves. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. It's a declaration. This is what I'm going to do. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name, David wrote. So this is what's happening today, and it's a declaration about our church, about our city, our community, every neighborhood, our families, and specifically our homes, what we will be. Amen. And all the people said amen. Joshua chapter 1. And I'll be considerate of our time. Verse 1. I'm reading from the King James version today. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun. He was the minister of Moses. He was the servant of Moses. And God said to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people to the land, which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Here's a pivotal verse for us. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon. I gave that to you. I said it to Moses and I'm going to repeat it to you, Joshua. Wherever you walk, I'm going to give that to you. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even to the great river, the river Euphrates, All the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Now, pay particular attention here. The Lord is trying to expand their mind as to where they can go. The breadth of it is so large. He has to put it in their ears. The voice of God is declaring. Now, this area is so massive none of them could possibly understand or comprehend how great it could be so the Lord gave them a broadening definition there shall not, here's verse 5 any man be able to stand before thee 
all the days of thy life, which means that whoever comes against you, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Let's just go to verse 9. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. I want to read verse 3 in the, in the NIV. God said, I will give you every place where you set your foot. And I preach today the place where we stand. Amen. And all the people said amen. And turn your neighbor and tell them they're the best looking person you've seen all day. But the day is not over. Say the day is not over. So far. And then you can be seated. And when you're seated, just clap your hands unto the Lord because he's a good God. Perhaps in the quest to comprehend the scripture, a false concept was created about the Lord and his nature. These false concepts arise in many places. They come from people who consider God through their emotions and not through his already established written word. Just for the sake of our remembrance, the Bible says that Jesus came to build his church. He said so. I've come to build my church. But upon that declaration, the Lord also said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It was an immediate response to his own statement that the church would be built and that opposition would be present. It wouldn't prevail, but it would be present. Denoting that nothing of God comes without a resistance. The church was not a location, but it entailed what the apostles identified as the gathering of the saints. It was made up of believers and the followers of Jesus Christ. They were first called disciples. But within the confines of the definition also came places of advancements. The Bible's last book identifies multiple churches, some in Ephesus, Sardis, Smyrna, Thyatira, and more. These cities where the church resides. So within the city, some defined parameter, the people gathers and the church convenes. Acts chapter 7 speaks of Moses being in the church which was in the wilderness. In the book of Acts, the church was gathered in several different places or finally they found a location. So even before the New Testament began, the people were known as an assembly. And when Joshua took the reins of leadership and led them into the land of Canaan, it was not a corporate endeavor that drove him to pursue this new land. It was not greed or some advancing adventurous spirit that prodded him to cross the river and face the challenges associated with the land ahead. It was a God initiative spoken decades prior, 40 years in fact prior. The people had the opportunity to enter the land of Canaan. They had it in their hand 40 years before another group entered. 40 years prior, there was a congregation 
that could have entered the land. The promise was there. The word was given. They had the greatest leader in human history among them, Moses. But they soured at the sight of the giants. And they saw themselves as grasshoppers. And they thwarted their own promise. And I wonder, how many current victories were available long before they were realized? How many unclaimed promises lay empty because of doubt and fear and that ever-fatal flaw of human reasoning? Who knows, ladies and gentlemen? But another congregation came to the brink of where we are today. But perhaps they cowered at the task and they retreated from the sacrifice. The report that was given to Moses was that the land of Canaan flowed with milk and honey. That was the report 40 years prior. But dominant men, I submit carnal men, who dismissed the miracles and wonders of their own present time, spoke against the promises. They were the dominant elders, and they were the majority. Of the 12 spies that Moses sent out, 10 came back, and they said, we cannot take the land. Only Joshua and Caleb gave a positive report. And though God was enough, and though they had leadership and ability and the wonder of the omnipotent Lord, they still doubted at the thought. Think of that. They had the Lord on their side, and they still recoiled at the Lord on their side. Can I just rehearse this axiom of truth in this house today? God is always enough. With men, things are impossible. But with God, it's always enough. Because he's great all by himself. And Jesus said it. With men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. So how do we enter this, this city? It is, we are, if we, if we say it correctly, we are really an economically depressed city. We're not an exploding city. But there's something happening because God does not need an economically booming city to build a great church. He needs people that will rely upon him. Why do we keep looking to other folks for our answers or with men, all of which are limited? Territory is difficult to con- conquer. Even the best people are saddled with encumbering weight of human limitations. They may have good intentions. May ha- they may have intellectualism, but they don't have God. With God, all things are possible. Herein lies the difference with men or with God. You've got to decide with men or with God. Luke wrote it this way, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God because he's always enough. I stand to declare that your God is always enough to do whatever needs to be done. Oh, yes. Years ago, when we first built this building, and we bought the property and it was an old school toward the highway, you remember. Old East Glen School, it, it was torn down and we were able to buy this property and we broke ground. We were here. I was very nervous and we had run out of money <laughs> and we had a little bit left over, but it was a, it was a retaining money for for some electrical work that had not yet been completed. I was very glad it hadn't been completed. And I didn't know how we were going to do it. The Lord, the Lord did it. And 
I was so grateful. I prayed. I felt kind of like Gideon. You know, how, how is this going to be possible? I don't think we can do this. And we did it. I, I prayed. The Lord did the work. The people came together. We, we, we walked this ground. We walked around this whole territory. We prayed. People were giving. And after it was all done, a man came to me and said, I didn't think that you could do it. And my brain switched. And I said, you're right. I couldn't. God did it. He did it. He's always enough. The Lord did it. You think that your family and your friends can't be saved, but God can do that. You can't do it, but the Lord can do it. You think you can't get out of that situation, but God can do it. He's always enough. Nobody's greater than God. That's right. So when the Lord gave Israel that land and 10 of those men came with a negative report, let me just tell you, a negative report will kill the vision every day of the week. When they came back, Moses submitted to the report of the majority. They were wrong, but the precedent was set. If God says yes and the people say no, then God will wait until another generation rises up before ownership can be received. If God says yes and we all say no, He'll just wait till we're all gone. He'll find another people to raise them up to do the work of the kingdom. Because he's more interested in the kingdom. He's not loyal to the people that are negative. He wants to see somebody that's in unity and will fight for the kingdom. Even our sovereign God will pause at the faithlessness of men. He was looking, has always been looking for a group in unity with belief. Because without faith it's impossible to please God. His power didn't change. His authority has never wavered. All of his promises are yea or yes and amen. We're never waiting on him to give us the victory. He's waiting on us to be in unity, to walk by faith into the place that he's already given. Don't you know the Lord has already given the building to us? He gave this building to us. He gave us the city before we ever arrived. He wants everyone to be saved. His desire is greater than our desire. Amen. And Joshua was leading a people into a place that was given, but it was unconquered. Here is the land, Joshua, but the battle is yet to come. Here is your inheritance, but every step is going to require a measure of courage. God gave them something that was owned by the enemy. But the walk where they stood was a walk by faith. They were standing by faith. It was a promised possession. And here it was. If you work it, you can own it. The city is ours. I believe it. But we have to work. This place. It's called the Crossroads of America. It's a little city on the border of Indiana. It has the potential to lead the nation in what a true multicultural community and a church looks like. With all the divisions in the world, look around this place. This is a multicultural, one body, one name, one blood. (laughs) We are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. And this is how we do it, with love and respect and honor. We honor the Lord and we honor his word. We honor the elders and we train our children. We've been lending to the Lord. Did you know that we've been lending to the Lord? Here's the word. Proverbs 19. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. And God will reward him for what he has done. 
under the leadership of Bill and Angie Treadway, we regularly give out over 90,000 meals a year to the poor. We've been lending to the Lord, and he's going to repay us. We didn't do it because we wanted God to give us something back. We did it because that's what the Lord said. He said, when, when did we, they, they said, when did we visit you when you were in prison? When did we feed you? He said, when you did it to the least of them, you did it to me. That's right. So if you work it, you can have it. Our history bears this out. If you work it. We're looking for a revival of people. The recovery of people, the discouraged people, oppressed, people that are struggling, convicts, the convicted, the felons, the up and outers. There's a lot of people that are affluent that are hooked on all kinds of things in their life. We're looking for them. Struggling, marriages with all the love wrung out, children that are, that are struggling in their life. They don't have any hope. This is the place of hope. It's a place of refuge. It's a place of healing. We're looking for all of them. Come, here's your house. Jesus gave me the word. He gave all of us the word when he said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. The healthy have no need of a physician, but the sick do. So I say, just bring me, our, bring me the sick. Bring me the downtrodden. Bring me the people that have nothing going on. You have no hope. You have no help. You've got no friends. There's a place here that you can have love and friends and revival and the Holy Ghost and the Lord and truth. It it takes work. And if you work it, then you can have it. And America has shown us this from the early moments of our country. We learned this lesson. The East had had been discovered, at least in some ways, but the West was an open land. It was there for the taking. In 1862, the Congress, our Congress, passed what is called the Homestead Act. This law gave every citizen and every foreigner who asked for citizenship the right to claim government land. The law said that each person could have 65 acres if he built a home on the land and he farmed it for at least five years. A home and a farm. It cost $10 to record the deed, but the land was theirs. The congressional bill was a contingency. A home, stability. A farm, productivity. You can have it, but you have to live there, you have to build there, you have to plant there, you have to harvest there. You have to put roots down there, you have to be fixed there, and then you have to be productive there. You can have the whole city, wherever you walk, wherever you stand, here's what you're going to do. You're going to put roots down, and you're going to plant seeds everywhere you go. You can have the whole thing. I'll give it from that border to that border. I'll give you that county above and that county below. I'll give you your neighborhoods, your families, your cities. All you have to do is be stable and plant seed. It's the Lord's Homestead Act. Come on, I want it all. I want everybody. I want everyone to know the Lord. I'll I'll tell you how to empty out our jails. I'll tell you how to empty out our jails. No, it's not giving them a free pass. It's introducing them to Jesus. So their priorities change and the worldview changes and their principles change and they love the Lord and they're kind to the neighbor. I'll tell you how to straighten out the drug culture. We got to get them connected to the only one that can help them, that give them love and give them acceptance. That's how we're going to do it. That's right. I'll tell you how we can help our mayor. We're going to pray for everybody in this, in this town. 
We're going to show the love of Jesus everywhere we go. Man, can you imagine the whole city of Terre Haute loving the Lord together, helping one another together, doing the right thing together? We're going to have that here in this house because we're going to build a home and we're going to plant seeds. Amen. Paul wrote it this way to the church in Corinth. He said, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be unmovable. Build a house. And then always abound in the work of the Lord. Plant as much seed. Do as much good as you can. Because you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Here is the word of the Lord. Wherever you put your feet, ladies and gentlemen, God will give it to you. It's not just walking. It's not a claim born from some flippant recital. It is an authority, however, in the Holy Ghost. A boldness in the Lord. And the land is not just soil or construction or provision, all of which we're doing in the natural today. But it's also mental healing and emotional healing. It's physical healing and spiritual renewal. It is the power to change your attitude or thinking through prayer and obedience. It is an ownership of all of those aforementioned emotional, mental, spiritual health We're not here just to turn over the obvious soil, though we will do that in a moment. We are here to turn and change the eternal destinies of souls. And we begin with ourselves. Because it starts in my heart and in your heart. And it manifests in the way we walk and where we stand. I want us to look in the mirror a year from now and not recognize the people staring back at us. I want someone to say, who is that person? Who was that man? As in the days of of the canon when God intervened to make the person anew or reborn or change from the inside out. We want to look back and say, who were they? They were full of doubt. They were apprehensive. I want us to look at what the Lord did in the lives of people. They left their former ambitions and their former life and they pursued the purpose of the eternal voice of God and the kingdom and they sought the kingdom first. God gives power to people to become what they are not. God gives power to people to become. From Saul to Paul. From Benoni to Benjamin. From Sarai to Sarah. From Abram to Abraham. From Jacob to Israel. They became, according to God's divine plan, same face, different attitude, same appearance, different disposition, as if they just came into being. I'm preaching about walking in a new land with a new spirit, with a new authority given by our God for this season. No longer dry. We're not walking according to our own making, our own mind, but we're walking the promises of God. We're not barren any longer. We're reaching the lost. We're reaching the helpless. Maybe you've never taught a Bible study. This year you're going to teach a Bible study. And you're going to see your friends and your neighbors And your Bible study student walk in and be baptized in the watery baptism of Jesus' name. They're going to repent of their sins. What if the whole church had a Bible study? What if everybody had a Bible study? We would devil overnight. And then we'd fill that building. We're just going to have to buy another piece of property. Don't be afraid. We're never going to stop building. Because we're never going to stop planting. And we're never going to stop. Yes. I'd like to say to our architects and our construction crew, just hang tight with us. We will be your clients for the rest of our lives. We will live and die planting seeds. 
We're going to live and die reaching our city. We're never going to stop preaching our city. There's never enough souls. We've got heaven to make. We've got eternity to consider. You ought to clap your hands unto the Lord. And I have to make the declaration of intent. Though Brother McLeod already gave us the prophetic word, I offer the declaration of intent. That the gospel will be preached. And lives will be changed. And I know that we're not the only church in this city. I know that we're not the only believers here. But that should not give us pause. We must not sit back and think that end time harvest is, is beyond us. Because everyone needs to be baptized in the name of Jesus. It's in the Bible. For the remission of their sins. It's in the Bible. Everyone must repent. Everyone needs to experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit for themselves. The Bible says it's for you, it's for your children, it's for all that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Everyone. The day is, is more than a moment to remember. This day is a declaration that a kingdom stronghold is being established so that a mighty revival can break out. A kingdom stronghold is being established. And there's a window of heaven opening up in this place. It's going to bless your family. You're going to be blessed beyond measure. I'm making a declaration of intent. We're going to be blessed beyond measure. We're going to have joy like we've never had. We're going to have authority like we've never had. We're going to have boldness like we've never had. We're going to have provisions like we never had. All you got to do is get up and walk in the promise that God has already given you. Where you're standing, where you put your foot down. You got to put your foot down and say, this is mine. Yes. Yes. So we're going to build and we're going to work and we're going to pray. We've got to pray. And we're going to give and we will fast and we will teach and we're going to love and we're going to serve. And we're going to build a home and plant a seed for the harvest. And we're going to have a homestead act in the entire county of Vigo County and all the surrounding counties. Because that belongs to me. That belongs to you. Over there is ours. Give up east. Give up south. Give up north. Give up west. We'll take all of that. And we're going to believe that today is our landmark day. Where we make a verbal commitment to God and a personal declaration to the Lord. And that's what we're doing here today. Amen. (laughs) This is not my normal presentation. But I want to I want to consider the the door that we're standing in front of. We have to walk through that door. It's going to take a church-wide effort to do what we need to do. So I'd like for Tammy to come and stand with me. Thank you. Twenty-two and a half years ago, uh, Tammy and I came to this city. We We didn't really know Terre Haute, but we did stop at the Shoney's a lot. On our way. And that's how we knew it. 
But when the Lord called us here 22 and a half years ago, something changed. We walked into a place and we couldn't get the smile off of our face. We were so happy. I don't really know why we were happy. I think we just loved the people. We fell in love with the people. I'm so glad you're amen to me. Come over here. <laughs> I try not to look at her while I'm preaching because I don't know what she's going to look like. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> we're making a commitment, but we're not making a commitment just for this moment. This is, this is our life commitment. And so we're not just making a commitment as an as a individual or even as a husband and wife. We're making it as a family. So I would like for my family to come and stand with me. Just stand with me while I, while I speak this. Our pastoral team gave the word, and I'm going to pass it along to you. This comes from Jeremiah. For the sake of understanding, Jeremiah 32, let me just summarize this biblical truth. It happened in the days of the prophet Jeremiah, when Jerusalem is under attack. This is a summarization. All the Babylonians have attacked the people. Jeremiah is in prison. The debt is high. Freedom is low. Jeremiah's cousin comes to him and says, I want you to buy my field. You have the right of redemption to buy it. Jeremiah agrees to purchase the field. But the problem is that the enemy has occupied the field and conquered the land. Jeremiah is about to buy something that the enemy owns and occupies. But the Lord gave the instruction Here's how you redeem what the enemy possesses and what the enemy occupies. Jeremiah 32. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, take this evidence, this evidence of the purchase. It's sealed, seal it, put it in an earthen jar, a vessel, so it can continue for many days. For thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. So Jeremiah buys what the enemy occupies. He puts the contract in a clay jar to preserve the contract. It looks hopeless, but he preserves it as a witness. That's what we're doing today. Now, we're not doing anything that the Bible hasn't already described or commanded us to do. We're going to give a commitment today. And our commitment is twofold. First, we're going to commit to give our tithes to the Lord. That's 10% of our income we're going to give to the Lord. Now, many of us are already doing this, but we're going to give our tithing to the Lord. That's found in Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to give an offering, and the offering is going to go to the sanctuary. This is a percentage offering. This is in the Bible. It's already there. God said, why did you withhold? Why are you a thief? Why did you steal? And the people said, we're not a thief. He said, yes. You didn't return to me your tithing and your offering. So this was a commandment of God. All the churches, all the people, all the saints gave their tithing and offerings. All we're doing today is committing our tithe and our offerings. But our offerings are going to be committed to the building fund. You might give 5% or 7 or 10% of every check that you get for one year for 12 months. We're going to, Tammy's going to help me, and we're going to, we're going to take a little piece of that off. And we're going we're gonna to put it in the jar and we're going to take the jar home. You're not going to bring anything back to me. I'm not going to know. But God's going to know. You're going to commit. You're going to give your tithing 
on every dollar, every increase that comes in, and you're going to give a percentage, 5%, 7 10% to the building fund, and we're going to build our building. And we're going we're gonna to build it. I believe we can be out of debt in no time. We're not in debt right now. I think we can be the head and not the tail. We're going to be the lender and not the borrower. And today we're going to give our tithes, our offerings, and then this special offering for our sanctuary. So I'd like for our ushers to come. They're going to help us. And the first thing you're going to do is receive this card. And you're just going to fill out this card with your family signatures. And you're going to keep this card too. You're going to keep this card. But in this particular card, you're committing and then we'll give you the jar to put this small part in the jar. Amen. If you are at home, you're unable to come, you can go to the website and you can give. You can come to this church and we will give you these same things this week. Amen. Amen. So the first thing we're doing is we're giving our offering. And the usher is going to come to the front and we're going to march from the back to the front and we're going to give our offering. And while you go through the line on your way back, you're going to get your little jar. It has a little cork in it and you can roll up your commitment and put it in there and you take it home and you put it somewhere where you can see it every day. This is a commitment to the Lord. All the staff, thank you. You're joining us. Thank you. Okay, let's pray. Father, we are grateful for what you have put into our hands. We believe your word and we believe that you have guided us and given us this day. So I thank you, Lord, for allowing us to return to you what rightfully belongs to you. We honor you with our first fruit, with our tithing and with our offering. And I pray today, let there be a new thought. Let there be a new season of giving. You will always replenish us, Lord. We have confidence in your word and in the mission of the kingdom. So I pray today, help us to have the faith to obey and the courage to walk in faith and the courage to walk in victory and in the city to reach people for the kingdom and with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with this Acts 238 message, Lord. And I pray, Lord Jesus, let the body come together in unity. Let the majority of the church, let the unity of the church be the vision of the kingdom. In Jesus' holy name I pray. And all the people said amen.